Well, good evening. Once again, coming together in this midweek message and uh, looking forward to just sharing the word with you tonight. And we've we've completed 3 John. And uh, this evening, wanting to start a study in an Old Testament book. And uh, we're going to be having a look at the book of Jonah. It's a short book. It's not a, a long book at all. And uh, hoping that this will be an encouragement and also a challenge to us in uh, the ongoing walk that we have with the Lord. I want you to bow your heads. Let's pray together and then uh, continue from there on. Father, thank you for, uh, again, the opportunity of doing this uh, study just via technology. Uh, Thank you that we can share together that you, Lord, would be our teacher uh, that you have sent your spirit, Lord, that you've not left us as orphans. And even coming this evening as we tackle this new book, Lord, that you would open our hearts, our ears, and lead us, Lord, we pray, in a continued journey of growth in our walk with you. Uh, do be merciful to us, and Lord, give to me just clarity of thought in the uh, study and in the words that I, I speak, and the truth that we share together tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So right, it's the Old Testament book. If you turn to the book of Jonah and uh, uh, going to just consider the first two verses tonight. So really just an introduction, bit of an overview um, of the book and uh, hopefully give us an appetite. And God willing, next week we get back and we'll continue uh, from there on, the third verse on and looking at some of the detail and the content um, of the book of Jonah. So uh, the, the book starts, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the for evil has come up before me. And that, of course, the word of God, and just so far uh, considering that uh, this evening. So I want to begin and ask a couple of questions just to get us thinking we are fairly familiar with this uh, particular book and, and able, therefore, to, to know already some of the context. And uh, wanting to ask the question, uh, why, why would God call Jonah? Now, remember, Jonah uh, is a prophet to the northern kingdom, which is uh, known to us as Israel. So why would God call Jonah to preach to a nation? And, and the nation that he's going to preach to would be would in 40 years take Israel into captivity. So reaching out, reaching out to a nation that later would in fact come and conquer them and take them into captivity. Perhaps to put the question a little bit differently, why would God send the offer of hope and help to the enemies of God's chosen people? And and again, that is something to think about. And so if we could just turn, I'd like to uh, put on the, 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 the PowerPoint and uh, follow through uh, with some slides. And, and you can see there that I have entitled this uh, particular study, God Has a Plan. And uh, just thinking about these questions that I've raised with you tonight, I was trying to think of a, a contemporary illustration of, of, uh, of, of a similar nature. So imagine, imagine just for a minute, back in 2020, uh, the, the Ukrainians sending aid to Russia, knowing that in two years' time, 2022, 
that Russia would attack and seek to take over their country. Doesn't make sense. And, and, and so again, does it make sense? You know, thinking about the purpose, what, what is God's purpose in this mission that he gives to Jonah? Why, why did God command him, as we read in verse 1, uh, the word of the Lord, this is God's command, coming to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Go to a wicked city, preach to the very people who in later years be responsible for their destruction. The northern kingdom after captivity, Captivity just not heard of again. It's only due to the southern kingdom that uh, has an ongoing history after captivity. And so just uh, an important question in application as we consider this, uh, the beginning of this book. In our own lives, there are those times when it seems to us that God does something that doesn't make sense to us. And again, it's a familiar theme. It can be applied in so many areas, so many ways. And, and, and again, you, you wonder, I've certainly wondered, uh, why, why does God bless a particular church when, when that church has been led by uh, a leader, a man calls himself a pastor who is obviously exploiting them and, and, and really just abusing and using the church for his own ends. And yet people gather, and, and the seemingly is, is, is the hand of God. There seems to be blessing upon that congregation. And then even in the broader context of common grace, uh, I have often wondered, why, why is it, why is it that uh, there are nations that reject God and blaspheme God and are antagonistic against God, and yet they, they, they seem to be a nation that materially at least are prospering. And so these, these questions uh, make us wonder, what is God doing? What is the purpose uh, that God has? Well, I, I do believe if we can understand something of the reason that uh, God called Jonah to Nineveh, it certainly would help us have better insight, much better insight into God's dealings and purposes with us as believers, with us, but as well as those people that we would consider to be uh, against God or rebellious toward God or even describe them as, as wicked. And so I do wonder this evening and as we study the Bible, I think it's always important to be asking, Lord, what, what is it that you'd be saying to me? What is it that you're saying to us uh, this evening? So to introduce my first point, I, I was thinking about an illustration that I could perhaps use, and my mind went back many, many years, uh, 1977, 1977, perhaps even a year before that, 1976, I was in my final year at school, I was in matric, and uh, I was not such a nice son toward my parents. I remember saying to my parents that I couldn't wait to get out of the home and get away from the family. And I remember telling my parents that and, and seeing them deeply hurt uh, by comments to them, not wanting to be with them, uh, wanting to be out of the home. And in spite of the hurt, I remember I remained adamant that life would be better outside of the home and, and life would be better uh, with me going into the army. 
Well, so at the beginning of the next year, I happily went off. There was uh, uh, the National Service call-up, and uh, I went off uh, to uh, appear for the call-up. And uh, it was at Milner Park in Johannesburg, and uh, amongst hundreds of other young men, we were loaded up into a troop train, and for the next four days, we uh, were en route to Namibia in Walfus Bay to have some basic training. Well, the first shock I had was the compartment that I was allocated. I shared with uh, five others, five other young men, and they were all Dacha smokers. And here I was, this uh, naive uh, young man, uh, shocked by what I'm now exposed to, and for the next couple of days uh, being exposed to these guys. The journey itself was not great. Uh, along the way in Uppington, I think that was after the second day, uh, we, we were hauled off the train by the military police. And I was terrified, thinking I was going to end up in jail. But apparently what had happened, that someone had seen at a previous station, somebody from the particular coach that I was in, uh, throw a bottle of urine into the face of a railway official. And so we were hauled off the coach and uh, we were threatened with all sorts of uh, uh, disciplinary uh, action, but eventually put us back on the coach and, and, and we were on uh, the train again to Walfus Bay. Well, the first couple of days and weeks and in fact months were terrible. Uh, we were trained, we did our training in the, in the desert, in the Nabob Desert. Uh, it was a time when we hardly slept. It was just physical exhaustion. Uh, exhaustion day in day out the food was terrible the training was tough now I'm trying to pay, paint a picture because I'm going to try and make a point the military personnel I, I, I don't know how to describe them other than to say that most of them were really the scum of the earth their language was appalling the way they treated us was really just with total disrespect uh, seeking to break us down they said so that they can build us up and then I still remember as well some of our roommates had never bathed. So there was this horrible stench that was in the dormitory. The bottom line is I longed to be back home with my parents. And I wrote long letters. There were no um, uh, WhatsApp calls or uh, text messages back in, in those days. I wrote many long letters expressing and uh, repenting of my shame. Uh, having told my parents that I wanted to be out of the home. And in fact, how now I long to be back home with them. And, and the point that I'm trying to make all of that story, just to say that in those weeks, I had what I would call a wake up call of huge proportions. And, and coming to the passage, coming to the book of Jonah tonight, we, we are going to see that there are times, there are times that the people of God, also need a wake-up call, something to shake us and, 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 and uh, uh, wake us up to the reality of what we actually have and, 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 and so much that we can so easily take advantage of. And so I want you to uh, look at something of the broader context of the Old Testament as well and see how the people of Israel, over the centuries, from time to time, uh, my first point, God gave them a wake-up call. God gave His people a wake-up call. 
And we could say that in this instance of God calling Jonah to go to Nineveh, his first purpose, because remember, that's now what we're looking at. We're trying to understand why he would send Jonah to Nineveh. His first purpose in calling Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh is to, is to stir them out of their spiritual slumber. We get a glimpse of the spiritual state of Israel. Looking back to 2 Kings, chapter 14 and verse 24. Let me read it. And he, and speaking of the king of that day, it was Jeroboam II, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. And you, you can see the state of Israel. Hard hearts, a sinful, following uh, their own ways and, and not in submission to God. But then the next verse goes on to speak that this king did listen to something that a prophet said. And, and the thing that he listened to was what, was what the prophet Jonah spoke. Uh, in this particular instance, let me read, he restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord of God, <coughs> the God of, of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. So that tells us uh, the time of, of Jonah's life, uh, a context where, where Israel was spiritually in a bad place. Then also I did discover in my study that the name Jonah, the name Jonah actually means dove. And uh, according to the commentators, uh, a dove being a symbol for Israel as being silly and senseless. And again, we, 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 we see this description elsewhere in the Bible. And the one example I found was Hosea chapter 7 verse 11. Uh, Ephraim, which is again the northern kingdom Israel, is like a dove. Like a dove. And then the elaboration, silly and without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. They needed to be shaken out of their spiritual slumber, out of their hard-heartedness. And all too often, very sadly, all too often God's people need to be shaken out of, of attitudes of presumption, taking things for granted, sometimes just lethargic and, and lazy and, and, and so often ungrateful, uh, uh, not appreciating and seeing the significance of the grace of God and, and all that God has provided, not just in common grace, but also in redemptive uh, grace. And, and, and the waywardness of people, we need to be jerked away from that. And, and, and of course, the, the common thing amongst the people of God in the Old Testament is that they were grumblers. Numbers 14 verse 27, just an expression again uh, from God against this kind of attitude. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. And so... A first purpose, not the main purpose, but the first purpose, one of the intentions of God with Jonah's mission was to shake up the people of God. He planned to do something about their backsliding, about their apathy, and, 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 and it's a strategy, it's an approach that we see also uh, spoken of uh, back in the days of Moses. And again, I want to quote from Deuteronomy 32 verse 21. This, this explains something of what God uh, was doing. This is uh, the word of the, of the Lord. They made me jealous by what is no God 
and arrange me with their worthless idols. So, so the people of God are neglecting God, setting him aside. And this is what God says. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding. So God determined, God says here, he is going to use a strategy of blessing the heathen is in such a way as to put his own people to shame. And maybe that would stir them out of their slumber, out of their carelessness, their spiritual apathy. Let Israel realize how careless she had been with the many abundant blessings and the privileges that God had lavished on her and bestowed on her. And so the desired outcome is that they repent, that Israel turn from their sin and humbly turn again to their father God. And we see this repeated again and again in the Old Testament, another uh, Prophet, the prophet Ezekiel, uh, told by God that again, uh, if he were to send them to a people with obscure speech and difficult language, they would listen to him. That's the foreigner, that's the outsider. But instead, God sends him. He says, "I'm going to send him to the house uh, to send him to the house of Israel." But they will not listen to Ezekiel because of their hard heartedness. So God is trying to show. God is wanting to show the people of Israel how they ought to be ashamed of their hardness of heart. And so immediately that does bring some application for us. And it it, it ought to stir in us some questions, uh, challenging questions about how is it? How is it with your soul? How is it with your heart in, in its tenderness toward God? Is there some kind of passion and fire in your heart for God? <coughs> Excuse me. Do you, do you delight? Do you, do you delight being in the presence of God, worshiping God along with the people of God? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? So the, these are all questions relating to, to the spiritual well-being. It could be. It could be that there are those among us at Central where your heart has grown cold. It could be that there's some among us who are just chugging along, uh, doing things out of routine, but there's no vibrancy, there's no zeal, there's no passion for God. And so it may be that God is even doing something in our context to shake us up, to wake us up and realize the privilege and the greatness of the blessing we have as those who have experienced redeeming grace. But there's a second uh, purpose that I want us to look at, which is a very obvious one in in the book of Jonah. It is that God extends his grace to the nations. It's something we've seen, of course, already uh, from the earliest chapters of of Genesis in the calling of Abraham and the promise of God to bless uh, all the nations. Well, what we read of in verse 2 here of Jonah is God saw the wickedness of Nineveh. He knew what they were like. And and, and I wonder today as as God looks at the world and and he sees what South Africa is like or or what the United States is like or the United Kingdom or China or Australia or or any of the other countries in the world. Well, God certainly describes them. He saw the the wickedness. He he knew that they were a bloodthirsty people, that they were power hungry, that they were self-indulgent, that they were arrogant, they were perverted, as so much perversion abounds today. There was corruption, there was whoremongering, they were idolaters. 
And yet God sends Jonah, calling them to repent. God sees the wickedness of nations, the wickedness, the rebellion, the antagonism toward him by individuals. And if I may add, we also see that. And we hear it in the news. We see it in the media. We see it on our cell phones when we do a catch-up on News 24. We both see the same things, but the point that we need to understand and see from the book of Jonah, we respond differently. We respond differently. Let me begin with our response. How do we respond normally speaking? I'm not including everybody, but just this would be the normal sort of trend and pattern. We're so-called, now remember who are we as Christians? We, uh, the apostle uh, Peter describes us as a chosen people, a people belonging to God, a, a royal priesthood, a people praising, uh, declaring the praises of God. Wow, what a people. Uh, God, uh, God giving us and pouring out on us, lavishing on us his abundant grace. Now what happens when we see the wickedness around us? How do we think? Uh, what are we hoping God will do? Deep down in our hearts, we're secretly waiting for God to judge them. For, to, for God to condemn them. We can't wait for them to get what they so rightly deserve. A sinful response, uh, lacking compassion, uh, lacking attitudes of, of mercy and, and, and grace. Now, it is true, and let's not for a minute forget that God is angry with the wickedness of anybody, the wickedness of of the heathen, of the heathen, and 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 we see in this verse, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So it's there, nothing hidden from God. He he knows all things. He sees all things. But but a little later in the book, and we'll get to that in the study, we get a glimpse of something of the the nature of God, another aspect, another facet of the nature of God where Jonah gives his reason for fleeing to Tarshish, but he describes uh, and gives us a glimpse uh, of God. Chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said uh, when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See how different God is to us. That God reaches out to the wicked. God is sending Jonah to preach a message of repentance to people whose wickedness had come up before God. And so Jonah, <laughs> like us, he wasn't so on the same page as where God was at. He wanted the wicked people and the wicked nation destroyed. He didn't really have a great passion to see uh, them benefiting from the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And, and so, yes, again, to say that, that God does declare his anger in verse 2, but the declaration of divine wrath had its purpose in redemption. He sees the wickedness, he sends the prophet. He, he, he understands and, and, and not only uh, he responds in anger, yes, God is a holy God, 
but he's also a compassionate God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. And, and so the purpose of God, the purpose of, of God in, in doing some of these things that we simply don't understand is we need to see that they are the redemptive purposes of God. So Jonah knew it. But you see, the problem with Jonah and, and, and probably the problem with many of us is, is that we can't see past our ungodly prejudices against people who are unbelievers. And so he ran from God. Did, wouldn't, didn't want to do uh, the deed. Didn't want to go. And, and, and so Jonah, Jonah didn't realize that he was actually being used of God, being sent to Nineveh, to Nineveh so that he was taking a step forward to the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now just take a moment as we continue to just reflect on this verse. Think about the people of Nineveh. So Jonah. Jonah appears on the scene. Now word gets around. We, 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 we'll see that in the book on the ship amongst the sailors. And, uh, and word gets around that uh, of what God had called him to do. He probably shared that with them anyway. Uh, they, they, they would have heard of the story of, of his journey the fact that he was thrown off the ship, that he was swallowed by a big fish, and, and, uh, and then he was miraculously delivered from what otherwise would have been certain death. And, and that's a very important point that, that these people would have heard of and, 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 um, and, and absorbed as, as what had happened to Jonah, the miraculous delivery from what otherwise would have been certain death. And so now the point, the point I'm trying to make is that Jonah, in his appearance, uh, to the people of Nineveh becomes a visible symbol of the power of God and of the redeeming love of God. This is the God who rescues Jonah from the big fish, the Ninevites from condemnation. This is a redeeming God. This is a God who has as his purpose in it and his plan redemption. Yes, the message of judgment for those who do not repent, but the message of redemption for those who do repent. So these men had been prepared by God, uh, I believe, uh, having heard this message, and uh, they repent. And we read that they saved from the wrath of God. Back in uh, the New Testament, in Luke chapter 11, verse 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and no one greater than, and now, one greater than Jonah is here. So, so do you see, do you see the, the purpose? These, these things that we don't understand, the patience of God toward the wicked, the fact that we are to be proclaimers of the word, the fact is that God extends his grace to the nations. God extends his grace to the wicked, to the rebellious, to the ungodly, to the blasphemers. And, and so if you're discouraged, if you're discouraged about the future of the church and God's kingdom, there's, excuse me, there's a lesson, there's a lesson for us to learn. Here's a, an application I, I would want to uh, have us think about. While Israel is in decline and spiritually in a bad place, at the same time, we see the expansion of God's kingdom on earth. So in one place amongst God's people, as we knew them, know them as Israel, there's decline. But in a foreign Gentile nation, wicked people, there's repentance and there's a growing of the kingdom. 
So these unlikely Assyrians are brought into the kingdom by grace. They were not looking for God. They were not searching for any kind of redemption. God intervenes. He's the God of salvation. He saves them from the sin. And, 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 and the point is, never forget the reality that God is building a kingdom. Jesus is building his church. And there will be, on that day, at the end of time as we know it, people gathered at the throne of God from every nation, tribe, and language. We, we must look forward to that. We need to participate in that program, in that plan that God is unfolding. And, and, and if we look around the world today, it would be true to say, a decline in one area does not mean the end of the kingdom. Gospel ministry in Europe may be reaching the lowest of ebbs. Also in the United States, I heard just this past week in uh, the Al Mola briefing podcast that uh, only about 4% of uh, Americans, United States citizens, attend church regularly on a Sunday. Only 4%. That's decline. And, and, and that's sad. But, but what's happening in other places in the world? What's happening in Asia? I believe there's so much... Uh, happening in, in, in the world of, of uh, the Far East, in, in China, uh, e- even in Africa. The, the gospel, the gospel is going forward and, and there's a harvest in this gospel as God brings people and redeems people from every nation, tribe and language. Well, thirdly, there's another purpose in this particular book that we're going to be looking at. And I've called that God gives an essential sign. Now, the third purpose of Jonah's prophecy is it points very clearly, very obviously, to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We know this because Jesus refers back to Jonah when the Pharisees ask him for a sign to substantiate his claims. Let me read in Matthew chapter 12. uh, Jesus answering in verse 39, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. But they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now, and, and, and now one greater than Jonah is here. So if you think back to the book of Jonah, and of course we're going to be looking at this in greater detail, Jonah was assigned to the sailors. He was assigned to the Ninevites, all who heard of his deliverance. He was assigned that there is a God who raises sinners from the dead. God raises undeserving people from the dead and gives them an eternal future. It was a proclamation to all that there is a life-giving Savior, pointing to Jesus, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose resurrection, whose own resurrection, also is proof of his power to save even the, the, the most uh, wicked sinner and, and raise them from the dead. And so Jonah's mission was an enacted prophecy, pointing forward to Jesus who gave himself, uh, gave himself to death on the cross for sinners like us and who rose from the dead on the third day to be the savior of all those who repent from their sin and place their trust in him. Well, let me conclude just a few comments. 
there, there are times, no doubt, there are many times, there are many instances where it seems to us that God is, what God is doing just doesn't make sense. Now we know the, the, the comment, the phrase, the verse, God's ways are not our ways. And I, we need to recognize that. But what we do need to affirm and reinforce in our belief is that God does not act randomly. God acts with a plan. God always has a plan. God is working out redemptive history, his history. And so we must remember the purposes of God. And the purpose of God tonight may be a wake-up call. If, if you're listening to this and you're in a place of spiritual barrenness or rebellion or dryness, it could be God shaking you by the collar and saying you need to repent. You need once again to, to look to Jesus and, and set aside your, your, the, the, the hardness and, and sinfulness of your heart. It may also be a dark cloud of providence to bring redemption to someone else, to another nation, to another people. And then also it may be a reminder to you, every bit of suffering ought to be a reminder to you and to me, of the suffering of Jesus, far greater, infinitely greater suffering that was followed by the resurrection that achieved salvation for sinners. And so, folks, as we conclude this study tonight, I do want to just express my own gratitude to God for His gracious and compassionate nature. A God, our God, who is slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And so the challenge tonight is, is there one of these purposes that apply to you? What is it that God is saying to you through this passage tonight? Lord, do search our hearts, we pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for your spirit constantly at work, encouraging, uh, comforting at times, and Lord, tonight we could ask perhaps convicting, exposing sin and hardness of heart. Lord, we're so good at justifying uh, our sin or hiding behind uh, reasons uh, by criticizing others. And, and particularly, Lord, even the heathen comparing ourselves to them. And yet, Lord, uh, we stand constantly in need of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. Minister to us as a people, Lord, as a local church, we need you. May your gracious hand continually be upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple of questions again that I've prepared, and you'll see them on the screen. Uh, I don't think I'll, I'll read through all, the, all of them. Uh, do work through them, or as far as you can get uh, with these questions, and trust that uh, your time uh, in the word would be of great value to your spiritual growth on your journey to heaven, or as John Bunyan called it, your journey to the celestial city. So God bless you and be with you. Looking forward to being together again on Sunday. Uh, good night. <music>